This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by Igor Shesterkin stopping literally every single goal ever. Stopping it. Just stopping. Just stopping the goal. Just winning the game by himself. Pretty much doing everything for the New York Rangers. And he definitely, if he could or knew we existed, would subscribe to our Patreon at BushersBreakaway.com. Or uh, whatever it is. Patreon.com slash BushersBreakaway. You get it. You know it. You listen to the show. This isn't your first time. If it is, or if it is, welcome aboard. Big show today. Recap the first week of Rangers hockey. Oh, man. We are, uh, <laughs> the overtime has really messed my head up. We are going through the motions. There's a lot that's happened. There's been the, let's call it out, the the Georgiev game, the Adam Fox game, the Lafreniere game, and now the Igor game in a row. Fun times. We cover all of them. We talk about tonight's game extensively and what the Rangers have in store moving forward with their lack of depth. But before we get to that, let's get to Mark Messier. And, oh, yeah, we have the twins on the show, the Evolving Wild Twins. A very fun interview. One of my favorite guests, or both of my favorite guests. I don't know how that works. Here we go. Transition to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of patreon.com. You can support us, all that other stuff. You can be the backbone of our team, like Igor Shesterkin. Gregory, say hello. Uh, I think the most appropriate way to begin this podcast is with a good old hearty. Ah! <laughs> is it, I know you're a big uh, baseball, is blah, 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 playoffs, all that stuff, but 3v3 hockey is just electric. It's the fucking 3v3 best. hockey it's the is fucking incredible. Best. Three, but I don't think I've ever seen a more chaotic no. overtime than no. the one we just witnessed. Uh, and again, it's that chaos that lasted all of four minutes and change is exactly why overtime should just be untimed and it should just keep going until someone scores. Also, I, I just did the slack thing. I'm so we're going to get into the entire game, I'm sure. But we need to talk more intrinsically about this three on three because not only was it pure and utter chaos. We just sat through a fucking three-on-three that included a shift in which Barclay Goodrow and Sammy Blay were on the ice at the exact same time. I saw Kevin Rooney got a fucking three-on-three shift. He did. (laughs) He did. There's so much to break down for this game, Gregory, and I got to tell you, my mood would be entirely different if that OT didn't go the way it just did. Honestly, if the game just ended... One one at the end, like a like like a football European football match. My tone, this podcast would be increasingly negative in a way that is, I can't. What I watched tonight, the Rangers won, so it's it's a phenomenal win. The OT was some of the best, most entertaining hockey I've seen in a long time. I'm having a wonderful time right now, but the game tonight was exhausting, torturous. I can't say anything nice about the way the game was played. I, I, I understand that you entertain my Mets bullshit on a nightly basis. I do. But c- congratulations. You just watched the Jacob DeGrom game. That's, that, that's what Igor Shosturkin did. It, it, we're so lucky as Ranger fans to be sitting here huh? to not only have Henrik Lundqvist join the broadcast on Surprise, and we haven't spoken to anyone that's not a BSBOT listener on Patreon since last week, so we do have some things to cover between not fighting the Washington Capitals, uh, going to overtime versus the Dallas Stars and being a little let down, uh, the Lafreniere, I'm coming home goal, of course. And then this, whatever this game was, the Igor game. But we're so, 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 so lucky to have Henrik Lundqvist go, go to MSG and then transfer just automatically to someone who, 
I think legitimately, I think it's safe to say, I'm trying not to overreact, but has the potential to be a generational goalie is definitely elite. Uh, they, it's the word. It's the word you use, generational, right? And I think we overuse that word. And that's I why. Think I, that's why I said that potential to be. Potential to be. Well, but he's I, definitely... I don't even think he has the potential to be because generational implies he's once every two decades. Right. Like Hen- Henrik Lundqvist was once every two decades. Yes, and I don't think. Whether fair or unfair to Igor, we don't need to get into this right yeah, now. This, I just, is not, this is an off-season the, 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 Your sentiment is correct. The New York Rangers are going from one of the best goalies into the league to a player right. who has the potential to be one of, if not the best goalie in the league. I think a lot of people, I would have, I I usually look at this stuff, but it sure would have been interesting to see what Shesterkin's Vesna odds would have been before the season started. I know he definitely wasn't in the top five. He probably was somewhere around that 25 to 1, 30 to 1 mark, and that money would have been super fucking juicy. And I'm here to say that four games into the season, if those were the odds back then, those definitely aren't the odds now, and your odds now are going to stink. It, the, the, long, the, the short of it is we are beyond blessed to be able to go from Hank to Igor, but Ryan, as you know, Greg Kaplan, huge fucking pessimist. I do real, know this. Real fucking yeah. wet. Yeah. Red blanket, Not new here. Real, real big black rain cloud on a nice beautiful day uh i have plenty of bad things to say don't worry we'll i get gotta there. tell you i gotta tell you i have a I, it, I can appreciate igor's greatness while also understanding that igor's greatness at least increases by one percent every time he has a game like this how much disdain I have for how the New York Rangers have handled Alexander Georgiev and how they allowed Alexander Georgiev to be a bigger priority than just hanging on to Henrik Lundqvist for another year. Oh, I, I think that is something I haven't thought about in a long time. But Oh, but... I think about it. I thought about it throughout the entire second intermission and the entirety of the third period tonight. It, it is, when you put it that way, it, it's almost like disgraceful. Like we we thought we should hang on to Georgiev because he's an asset. The Rangers might end up with like a fourth round pick for Georgiev eventually. Was that worth? And and listen, we don't we the the Hank thing was always going to happen with the heart, right? We we didn't know that at the time. We had no idea, but they wouldn't have had to buy him out. Not that that money really mattered anyway. It's not a big deal, but it's the whole act of buying out Hendrik Lundqvist. And then you still have Georgiev here, who's like, whatever. I'm not going to talk about him tonight because, we, well, we could do it right now. I mean, opening night game versus Washington. Uh, Georgiev, hashtag not good. Uh, we could do a quick – let's just do a quick breakdown of the last three games. It's super easy. Yeah. Now, I, you, you say Georgiev not good. I, we should make note that the entire Ranger team was not good. Uh, the but... second period tonight was very much like the second period versus Washington where it was unnotable, lethargic. But – what the second period tonight was very much like the second period against Washington, the first period against Dallas, and one of the periods against Montreal. It seems to be we're slowly building a case where the second period tonight is not an outlier, and it seems to be something that's happening maybe not with regularity, but with consistency on a night a game-to-game basis. The New York Rangers, for whatever reason, it, it, and here's the, here's the problem. Here, here's, here's the real hard thing I have about talking about this because it's it's difficult to say on one hand in a vacuum right you kind of understand it the new york rangers are without strone they're without kako so they're without 33 percent of their nightly top six and they don't have vitaly kravtsov to put into that top six 
for moments like these. And seemingly not coming back. He's in Russia. Not coming back. Definitely not coming back. So it's like, on one hand, um, this is an outcome that happens when you are hampered by injuries. And I understand that. On the other hand, this is also what happens when you decide to build your depth with more gritty and defensively minded forwards. This is, I can't say that everything's going to be great and good when everybody's healthy, because it's very rare that there will be a time where everybody is healthy. And we no longer live in a world where the Rangers have these skill guys on their third line that they can boost up. Like Parkley Goodrow, as good as he is defensively, and I will be thankful for him, I'm sure, in a playoff series. But we have to get there first. And we're living in a world where the Rangers, they've scored six goals in regulation. And I think four of those goals have been at five on five. Yeah. That's not <laughs> That's gonna not cut good. It, man. Not gonna get there. You you can't have Igor do this every single night. Tonight he did. Tonight he was outstanding, dude. When he came out of the net in overtime and he made the pass and he somehow got back and still made his Well save. the first the first save he didn't it even get back. He made that save thirty feet from the goal now. It's ridiculous. He's insane. He's He's an animal. I it's you know how net my you, know, God. you know how I, I, so we, deep we in all the net? know they were like he was yeah, so we all deep know in Igor's there. good, but then you get games like this where it's not just that Igor's good, it's that Igor's good against the Toronto fucking Maple Leafs, who were they weren't just peppering the net. They were shooting from high danger situations on a constant basis. Oh, they weren't hoping and they couldn't stuff break just went him in. down. And the only goal they got was the one that, that Igor didn't see. It was supposed to be a pass. And Kind of went it was off an oopsie days. Yeah, it was an oopsie days. Hockey, that's hockey. That's that's exactly that's the only goal that you were let up tonight. Nothing on purpose. It, it's just, oh man, we're so freaking blessed, and I, I can't believe that just happened. So let's just just let's just quickly go for the people who haven't watched all the games over the past week because this is what we do. Let's just do a quick two minute recap of the last four games, super quick. Just the start of the season, you know, getting in the groove here. Yep. Washington Capitals game, game no utter, fights, no fights. Dis- I, I wouldn't call it a disgrace, but. It's close. It's definitely it's, close. I mean, it is right there with the Rangers getting fucking waxed by the Islanders on opening night last year, right? Yep. Almost carbon copy. The difference is both games they lost by four, but one of the games they put one in, though it ended up not mattering, except if you were a degenerate like me and you bet over five and a half goals. Yep. Um, the, but again, yeah, the would, fact that there was no fights after you spend a whole season in the toughness, we think it's going to be a bloodbath, just something that I can, I'll never understand. Really won't. Tom well, they looked, they looked like, good for the first 12 minutes, and then it's like... Yeah, they your guild lets the goals in and the air's out of the, the building for them, even the, though they're it, in, in capital. As soon as... Even though the goal got called back and the Rangers got saved for a little bit there, as soon as that second goal that was not a goal went in, it's like the Rangers were like... Well, that's that. Uh, we're just going to skate around now and try to play hero ball. And it didn't fucking work because, again, the guys playing hero ball are guys like Dryden Hunt right. and Barclay Goodrow. And, and God Ryan bless Reeves. Dryden Hunt. And those and uh, Goodrow is going to be a good part of this team for six maybe years. But Dryden Hunt, like, uh, I don't know, seems like a, a nice player. Not sure the offensive ability is there. Greg McKay had a lot of um, – Dryden Hunt's Greg being McKay asked moved. to do things that he's not supposed to be asked to do. Colin Black was not last Dryden year and he ended up fault. scoring. And then we let him go. So there you go. I'm not going to cry over Colin Blackwell right now. But second game, um, they go to uh, Dallas Stars come to the MSG. We're there. Mm-hmm. MSG puts us on TV. Someone gets fired for that. Absolutely. Uh, after that, the game is a, kind of a snoozer. Adam Fox uh, continues to be 
a Norris candidate. Maybe well, he. I'll, I'll, I'll use this term correctly this time. A generational defenseman. <laughs> yes. Well, even then, I don't know if we can call him generational because we have to acknowledge that Cal McCarr doesn't play for our favorite team, but he's so fucking good too. Yeah, you're right. So again, just call him a. There's nothing. There's no harm with calling these guys top three players in their position. That one I'm going to stick to. Quite the compliment. That one I'm going to stick to. That's okay. That's fine. I'm, I'm not going to argue it. That's a very lame thing for the host of a New York Rangers podcast. It's actually a med <laughs> podcast. It's actually a horse racing podcast. It's actually about unemployment podcast. You're right. You're supposed to talk about yes. here. Um, again, the, the, it's it's difficult with the Stars game. You call it a snoozer overall. Really, what the first period, fucking atrocious. Uh, the first period was a continuation of everything that went poorly in the Capitals game, and you and I were legitimately talking to each other like, is this team actually bad? I understood we were reacting to four periods of hockey, but four shots in the first period, they looked disinterested. They weren't even playing what we would consider a quote-unquote tough style of hockey. They just looked like they weren't interested in possessing the puck and playing offense. And then the second period, they looked like a hockey team that was blessed to have talents like Mika Zibanejad, well, Adam Fox specifically, but also Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Capococco, Alexi Lafreniere. It looked like a team that could generate some offense, and that's why they started generating some offense. And then after that, it kind of became a – a battle of two equally talented teams that were trying to find the back of the net and going up quite honestly against extremely hot goaltending. Like the amount of times a goalie, I know Anton Kadobin is an incredibly good goalie, but he came off the bench completely cold and decided to put on a fucking circus act in the last 10 minutes of that third period. That's going to happen very rarely uh, to any hockey team, let alone the New York Rangers. But it did happen and then they go to overtime. But it did happen and the Rangers lose in overtime. That's kind of just a tough luck, tough break. It was the the final two periods were very encouraging, in contrast to the first period. I'll be honest with you, I didn't get to catch much of the Montreal game. All you got to know about the Montreal Montreal game, game, it went along the same lines as the Stars game. Yep, just a better Igor performance in goal. Oh, you got to know. It's not like it's not even like Igor was bad in goal. No, no, uh, Thursday he wasn't. He wasn't. All you got to know about that game is Lafreniere was destined to score, and everybody in the Montreal building had to know that was going to happen, and he did. Yes, and then. Uh, obviously a tremendous moment for him coming home. His dad, dad Frenier being there with him, able to cheer it on. Uh, and that that's really it. I mean, it was a grind out game, very similar to tonight, but the Montreal Canadiens are a little bit of a, even though they beat the Leafs, are a little bit of a less offensive firepower team than the Toronto Maple Leafs, which brings us back to Igor and the entire, you know what? I can't take any of these people that go, what about our Tammy Panarin? What, where is he? Yeah, man. What are you talking about? He's got three points through four games. Like, yeah, he's had some questionable decisions, some interesting, not interesting, some frankly bad passes. But this guy, this is a man who carry, has carried the Rangers to multiple wins himself. He's a superstar. He's going to figure it out. And guess what? He did. At the end of the game, they, they clearly would have face off. Panarin wins the game for them. Like, uh, if there's anything I'm worried about on this team... Greg, it's not Artemi Panarin. It's like the last yeah. thing I'm worried about. The the Panarin vibes, a lot of... The thing that surprises me is I've seen some of the culprits who are tweeting the Panarin vibes, and almost every single one of them were people telling me you should calm down and not worry about the slow start Francisco Lindor got off to with the New York Mets. Oh, so it's like... Cool. Uh, but it's just like Lindor hadn't even been here. Like Panarin, we have a track record. The dude's not only going to figure it out, when he figures it out, good fucking luck. Again, like you said, he has three points in four games and the game winner tonight, and all of us would say that Artemi Panarin is not playing up to his abilities at this point in time. 
So he's doing this when he's at his lowest. He's still finding ways to contribute when he's struggling. That is a blessing. And again, I, 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 some of this, I think what we've learned with Artemi Panarin is that this dude, more than maybe anybody else on the New York Rangers, is a fucking creature of habit. He's a guy that needs consistency. He needs to know who's next to him on a nightly basis, and it can't be up for discussion. And whether, again, we spend so much time in this podcast laughing at, joking about, or talking about trades with Ryan Strom, and all of those points, by the way, totally valid and fair. But Ryan Strom on a nightly basis is just there for Artemi Panarin, and Panarin doesn't have to fucking worry about anything. If anything, the only question that should be asked is why did it take two periods to put Panarin with Mika Zibanejad tonight? Zibanejad, for all purposes of this game was the only forward that looked like he was trying in my eyes and he was fucking trying and that's why the rangers only goal tonight was an unassisted because of benajed goal before overtime and then lo and behold who gets the lone assist in overtime because of benajed to artemi Panarin. Huh. it shouldn't have taken i understand we don't live in the the line blender world that we used to live in with david quinn but it shouldn't have taken 40 minutes of hockey for gerard gallant to be like boy Artemi Panarin's looking a little sluggish out there. And Mika Zibanejad looks like he's got the hot hand. So maybe I should put Panarin on the top line with Zibanejad and Kreider, and I'll ride that out. It shouldn't have taken as long as it did. I, I can't be angry that he finally got there, right? It's like... He did get there. He, he got there, but it really... I, I this, is, this is the moment where like I struggle with some people who break down hockey because it's... It's very clear that Gallant believes he needs to separate Zibanejad and Panarin to make sure one of them is on the ice almost at all times and I, to try th- to get I as much play as possible out of the lineup. There. I get it. I can see what, I, I what you're it, going for. I get it, but in this situation, when nobody is generating offense, and we now have four games of evidence that the New York Rangers are not generating offense, at some point, you have to stack the lineup. You have to do it. I know it might hurt in the short term for guys like Lafreniere, who's going to have to go down a line. And it's, I don't know what you want to do on the bottom six. It's just a fucking smorgasbord of on that right now. But right now you have to play Panarin and Mika. There's just no other, because they will be on the ice together for 16 minutes a night, right? And in those 16 minutes, that might be the only offense you're generating. Right now, the New York Rangers are not generating 16 minutes worth of offense. We oh, are dude, they're clearly like seeing eight minutes of offense. Like, maybe maybe yeah you, I, they were you like have to put 13 shots I, through like 10 the 10 minutes left in the third it was like super embarrassing if if strom if strom's ready to go the next time the rangers play was it thursday night i think he's gonna probably gonna miss he might be he'll probably be ready to go thursday night versus nashville until strom is ready to go i'm sorry you have to play panarin and mika there's 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 just you you cannot do anything else right now there's nothing is working you can't move you're not going to move Barkley Goodrow up to be the second line center, right? Yeah, well, You're we not haven't even mentioned that. play up Panarin's wing is now on the IR. He's going to be out at least seven days. Gallant has said he believes he'll have him back shortly after that. Let's say he probably misses the weekend. He comes back next Monday, optimistically. I mean, it's so clear, like you just said, how Panarin needs those two players, like a Strom and a Kako, next to him. And moving up, up with Mika, a person he's played with. And whatever he's played with Mika, it's always been break glass in case of emergency situation it's never been anything else there's yeah. that's the only time so uh, and you know where you know where we are right now eh, we're in a break break right it's it's not like a full-fledged emergency because again it's only been four games but i just 
I don't know how you can look at what this team is doing at five on five and think things are working. I'm totally and when fine when things with, aren't working. You got to change it. I'm totally fine with moving Lafreniere down to play with Hedl and Gaudreau. Gaudreau is defensively responsible and can allow for their mistakes uh, if there is defensive mistakes between the two. Lafreniere looks like he's gotten a little better defensively this year, but it's, that is still a lot to show. Short, small sample size and all of that. And you know, I don't know if Hedl seems a little bit overmatched at two C right now, but there. That could that could change very quickly. Let him get grooving. So I have no problem with that second line heading into the uh, into the Nashville game on Thursday. But I will say, if you are going to call up Morgan Barron, you made this point earlier, and we've made this point all season. If you're going to call him up, you need to play him. He's clearly a better skill player than Greg McKeg. I'm sorry, he just is. Sorry, Kegger, love you, buddy. But you need to play Morgan Barron, and if, if Morgan Barron shows some shine on the fourth line, well, then he can move up to the third. And then maybe play a wing position at that point in time. It, you need any offense you can find. You're not getting. You're not getting crafts off. You don't have Kako. There's no other random wings named Muchdevich walking through that door, Greg. You have nothing. You need to work with the offense you have. And that if if what you have is Morgan Barron, that's better than some options you're playing right now. I will. I will say this. I'll give. I'll give Gallant the benefit of the doubt because I did not realize, and I'm sure you did not realize, that Morgan Barron has played three straight nights going into tonight tonight would have been night four of four i do not follow the ahl roster and schedule that way so i will give neither neither do i that's also first of all fucking bonkers that that's how the ahl schedules their games and we should probably work on that but that is the world we live in right now where i it would have been a big ask to make baron come in fresh no well not fresh in his case and play top nine minutes in mont in toronto against the maple leafs a big ask However, if Kako and Strom are not playing Thursday, we cannot I, – I love Kevin Rooney. You know I love Kevin Rooney. That dude is my boy, and I would like to be friends with him away from podcasting and the hockey world. At the same time, kind of like how I reacted to when I saw Kevin Rooney on the ice in a three-on-three situation, absolutely fucking no. That dude is not supposed to be that player. You did not keep Kevin Rooney to be that player. That is – this is the situation Morgan Barron is supposed to get that runway and an opportunity to run away with it. And I, this opportunity might not be long, long last. It might be just a couple games this time. But if Morgan Barron is here, not only does he need to be playing, he needs to be playing in a role in which he can showcase his abilities. And that is not on the fourth line with Ryan Reeves and Dryden Hunt. It has to be on a line with players that can help him create. The Rangers... We just talked about this. They are struggling to produce offensive opportunities. We cannot live in a world where the New York Rangers are rolling out half their lineup that is meant to just be big bodies, get bruises, and limit and suppress offense in their own defensive end. They have to find players to create opportunities on both ends of the ice, which makes the Kravtsov situation that more fucking frustrating. It does. And again, we, we we don't need to relitigate it. You and I did uh, an emergency episode on the main feed, and I did essentially a bonus hour and a half podcast with our Discord members about the entire situation. Correct, do- but I will the- update the people out there that he is back in Russia. That, that has been he ain't, he ain't coming back. That guys. has been confirmed. It's, it's that's opened the door, and they're trying to get him back. But it seems like, according to Vince Bercogliano, re- recurring guest on this podcast, uh, it seems the relationship is extremely frayed. Having one source say there's almost no way to repair this. So there you go. Right. And again, I, I'm not here to blame player. I'm not here to blame the organization. Not At least I'm not here to blame one without blaming the other. There are faults on both sides of this debate. 
at the same time, the reason I still remain most angry at the organization is because you had to know that this was a potential outcome. If you didn't know this was a potential outcome, you don't have a good grasp of your players' personalities and of the players that make up your roster. And if that's the case, the New York Rangers did a hell of a job at not creating a deeper safety net. Remember on this podcast when we were at the end of training camp and we were talking about how for the first time that you and I can remember, the New York Rangers are in a position where if injuries happen, it seems like they have this nice pool of depth players to call up from I remember this in the feeling. minor leagues. I feel like that was yeah. three weeks ago. I was like, it, oh my it, God, it we, wasn't have, that... we have so much depth. There's no, there's no problem. Now it's just the defensive depth, and even then it's kind of thin. Yeah, but that depth was super reliant on Vitaly Kravtsov because it just it moved everybody else down a peg. It meant it meant that if we were in this situation, it would be Gauthier coming in along with Kravtsov, which creates possibilities for your lineup. It wouldn't be Gauthier already in the lineup and you having to be like, "Fuck, is it McKeg tonight or is it Barron?" Like it's it's so it, it, the Rangers in my mind, it's like. They shouldn't have been one player away from being super shallow. But at the same time, that one player was so important to the pecking order that fell below him that it really just unsettled everything underneath there. And that's what makes it so fucking frustrating. If that possibility happens, the Rangers need to realize that possibility happens. And they needed to get another player. They needed to be one more player rich. We needed a, a, a situation at the end of camp where instead of talking about, again, it's fucking October 18th and Lieber Hayek is still a New York Ranger and he's no more closer to ever seeing the ice with this team because why the fuck would he? He's not good. But the fact that they allowed this fucking clown to be the reason why they lost Vitaly Kravtsov, Ryan, it, it's, boy. One of the main reasons. That's fucking mismanagement. There's been, there's been the reporting saying it's not, but I got to tell you, I can't. it's going to be extremely hard it, to convince me it's not him. It is. It's this simple. If the range, if the Rangers, all they had to do was put Hayek on waivers. That's it. That's the difference. That's this is what it's always. This is what it's been, bro. We, we, this is the theme of this podcast. You bought out Henrik Lundqvist to protect an asset. You're going to get nothing for pretty much in your gap. You, you lost a first round pick to protect Hayek. What are what do we value? Anyway, we have a great win tonight. Great win tonight. <laughs> I know, it's it's so much funny because we are coming off as being negative little I know a little bitches, bags. yeah. But it's it's just it was a great Igor win, and it's a great Panarin moment. And the five on five overtime is that is like three v three fucking yes alcohol just in hockey form. It's amazing. Uh, it's like at the same you get high on it immediately, dude. My my mood was so negative heading into overtime. I was like, this game is yeah, terrible. and it should have been. This game like, was it, it, awful. I I hate that I have to podcast after this. Three v three overtime starts. I'm out of my chair. I'm throwing shit. Yep. Like right away. I was like, oh my god. Oh yeah. I I, I, I I don't know what happened. I was shirtless. Yeah. What happened? And I like Aaron. Aaron was in the kitchen trying to make dinner, and he watched it happen. <laughs> he went down to he went down to stir his pasta. He looked up, and all of a sudden, I was shirtless and just like smacking my chest. <laughs> <laughs> fucking like an, an animal but like here's the thing it's it's not like these where it's it i i understand that some people are going to groan and bitch and moan and right, right. get in my mentions and tell me never to talk about the mets again it's which, just gonna which make is whatever want to talk about the every, mets more every single week whatever. but it, it, this is this is legitimately like i can both be happy the new york mets had jacob Degrom on the mound and won one nothing while he struck out 13 guys while also being really fucking annoyed 
that they had that little margin of error and, and in a game in which someone played that fucking well. One thing and I want to mention. That's how I feel about Igor Shosturkin tonight. One thing I want to mention about us as a show and just coverage of sports in general is it, it's okay to feel two ways at once. Duality. Oh, absolutely. Duality is something that is does not really exist in nuanced conversations when you're having these sort of breakdowns of sports and all these things. And people either call you, you're being too positive or not harsh enough on the team or, Hey, you're being too negative And you really got to look at the bright side. We won. There is duality when you cover tonight. Like tonight is a great duality game where Igor provides me this elation. And I could be like, wow, we, we are so lucky. And Adam Fox, and there's so many good things to look at through the first four games. The Rangers have won two games that they probably didn't deserve. Well, at least tonight. And so they're, Listen, they're in a positive way. They're trending in the right direction, but there are a lot of scary potential outcomes for the next couple weeks, including this is a team that wants to make the playoffs in a tough, tough Metro, of which we will discuss with Evolving Wild. The Twins come on in a couple minutes, and you'll, you'll be like, oh, the Metro is tough. Maybe they shouldn't have traded their right wing depth, and everyone can make those jokes forever. I'm sure they're going to happen all season because, as you'll hear, not really a great move. And in this situation, you have to realize – you. You can do both. You can be happy and be worried. There's nothing wrong about that with as being a sports fan, and that's something I think we have to all change when we're when we're following sports in general. There we go. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I I, I agree. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Handshake. I am as a fan. I'm super happy the New York Rangers won tonight. It's not like I'm ever going to root for the Rangers to lose. What a ridiculous concept. At the same time, I could be super annoyed that the Rangers are going to need godlike performances from their goalies to seemingly win on a nightly basis. Like they, I've seen this I, show before. That's a I've fucking problem before. Yeah. It, uh, it's John Tortorella era hockey. I, 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 there's a big reason why I didn't want John Tortorella back as coach of the New York Rangers. And it's not because the man is the funniest human being I've ever seen in my life. And it's not because I know he's going to give us something to talk about on this show on a daily basis. If he was the coach, it's just tonight is what I expected. If John Tortorella was the Rangers coach. Yes, uh, I, cu- I couldn't agree more. Uh, Do we miss anything that we really want to dive deeper into from the last couple of days? I mean, the Crafts, I was back in Russia deal. I mean, Kako getting hurt. I just, the I, depth. I will take, I will take this opportunity to point out how good Keith Kincaid has looked in his first two games in Hartford. Thank you. I, I that was my note, but I, I appreciate it. He, he does look quite good. Uh, I, I do want to take just a minute or two because I think it's important to say this. Uh, our good friend Rick Carpinello is retiring. And, oh, um, Uncle Rick. Uncle Rick, and he did. We did stalk him at an athletic meetup once. He was super nice to us, like crazy nice to us. And I have to say, uh, congrats to Rick on the great career. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and uh, giving us some legitimacy <laughs> at a time when we had very little. And um, Rick online is a bit of a negative Nancy, and in person he's one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And uh, I wish him I, all the best. I wish him all the best. There's no better words I can say than – the best thing about hockey is the people you meet along the way. Am I right, Ryan? Honestly. <laughs> you know, this, this, this is the second week in a row. <laughs> we, just have these, we just have these moments that no one understands. Oh, jokes, some people are going to understand that jokes, one, though. Jokes just for us. And, and, and you know what I have to say? I agree with that person. Um, I've met a lot of, of great people, especially at the meetup we had last week. I want to thank everybody that came out. Uh, um, we really, we really should, before we go to the, the twins, talk about the meetup, because I think it's important for us to 
emphasize just how amazing you guys honestly are. Like, yeah, I understand there. We we argue sometimes in the Discord. We argue sometimes in our mentions. But Ryan and I, when we put these live events together, we honestly never know how many people are actually going to show up, and we we hope for the best. But I, Ryan, more me more so than Ryan, I I kind of always expect a, an empty room when we put this stuff together. And the fact that you guys not only jammed out the gin mill, they were the entire room was full. Packed. You guys stuck it out for a shitty fucking hockey game. Yeah, I mean, some people like, left just, a little bit, and I and I can't blame them. Get get out of there. That game sucked. But if 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 we were at the gym mill for tonight's game, it would have been lit. If, I, I don't even say that lightly. I can't. I'm not even allowed to say that. But it would have been unbelievable. It would have been. Oh my god. We the the crowd went bonkers for an offsides reversal call. And I just, I just wish, or rather, I they hope were, they that, were losing two nothing or one nothing or two nothing at the first intermission, and someone just like got up on the bar and started a "Let's Go Rangers" chant at awesome. the start of the second period. Awesome. Like there were times where it was louder in the gin mill for that game than it was at MSG for opening night. Yeah, someone did point out that since we were in the um, in the chase seats, it's kind of like being in a glass. Uh, yeah, box. I, I disagree though because I when the when the MSG got loud, it sounded plenty loud. And you and I were hearing everything it on was the a, ice. It was a library versus the Dallas Stars. An absolute library. Yeah, I I understand what someone was trying to point out there. But I was able to hear tape-to-tape passes very clearly and hear what the bench was saying. <laughs> so it was just that MSG yeah. was fucking quiet. Point point proven. Uh, best to, Our best to Rick. Seriously, thanks for coming on the podcast. We're going to go to the Twins. We'll be back later this week with the BSBOT. Uh, if something crazy happens, it'll be on Wednesday. If, if not, it'll be on Friday morning. It'll come out uh, after the game versus Nashville. Uh, as always, feel free to tweet at us. We'll go to the Twins now. Here we go. Transition. Hey, we're back with some of our favorite guests. We got both of them this time. Exclusive interview with Josh and Luke of Evolving Wild. Noted Adam Fox haters. How are you, gentlemen? <laughs> wow, talk about, intro. Yeah, talk about the introduction. We are great. First of all, thank you for having us on the podcast. Second of all, we don't hate Adam Fox. Uh-huh, no. Yeah, go on. <laughs> you know, I, I, how many quote tweets did you get from Ranger fans the day you released your Norris predictions and you didn't have Adam Fox in the top five? A hundred? Yeah, we one twenty. We could go and get the exact amount, but uh, I think it started with uh, was it Rob Luker? I think was the first one, and after that, because it was funny when you do these things. A little background for us, like we're, I'm not always thinking about like all of the ramifications of of some of our tweets, obviously, maybe that sounds silly to even say, but with this one, it was like, oh, all five of these defensemen we put out are really good. And I didn't realize that Adam Fox wasn't there and, but he was also six. So if I was a little smarter, we would have said probably like I, because he was really close to being fifth. I probably just would have put him as fifth, and to avoid all of the backlash we got from it. Yeah. But uh, you know, he was slightly below our top five, and we didn't clarify that, so we probably uh, um, also, I don't deservedly like, got a little hate. I don't know. That. In the middle of the season, I get really, I get really bad about following like the. I don't want to say like the narratives, but like I'm, I'm not necessarily. You know, we've gotten, I've gotten myself into trouble by like you know, saying, okay, well, the, the clear front runner in this situation is X player. And I'm like, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. I totally get it. Um, yeah. For people who don't know both of you out there, and if they're listening to this podcast, they probably do, but I want to double check. Explain what Evolving Wild is and you what you guys do over there at the website. 
Yeah, so we are, our, I guess our technically our Twitter account is Evolving Wild, but that seems to be how a lot of people know us uh, outside of Twitter as well, um, which we started it as a, I don't know, back in 2016 as a uh, kind of a wild stats account. We were just like kind Minnesota of- Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild. Yeah, oh, obviously, yeah. you know. So yeah, just to clarify. Um, but, and then uh, a couple of years ago, we, uh, in 2018, we made a, after, after we did a bunch of that stuff, we kind of- started our, we got a bunch of metrics ourselves and we're making our own models and to make it easier to share with people, um, we made a site evolving-hockey.com. Um, and since then we've just been, you know, kind of growing, adding stuff to the site. So we are twins. We're the co-creators and, uh, or co-creators of evolvinghockey.com. If you've, if you've seen those, most people who maybe aren't that familiar, but follow some of this stuff would recognize like our RAPM or RAPM charts, which the, the orange and purple or blue and red, however you want to say it, which, gets thrown around a lot, but um, that's kind of our stuff. So yeah, we basically just run a, a hockey site full time now. Yeah. Um, Congratulations, and, uh, by the way. Oh yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yes, thank, thank you. you so much. It's been a lot of work, but uh, you know, it's it's been a, a lot of fun and very rewarding, so. Absolutely. As uh, as someone that's new to the, this is the only thing I now do for a living. Uh, <laughs> oh God. How, how, how do I? Can you teach me? <laughs> well, it's, well, it's funny because like we were just talking um, just with our our parents are are both self-employed they've been self-employed for many many years and it's funny i was telling my mom i was like i mean nobody there's no handbook for this it's not like when you quit your full-time day job like w-2 earning day job that you get handed some booklet with all of the things you need to do so it's been a big uh learning process yeah it's kind of funny we we had a so i can't give you any advice there yeah sorry we we have we've had a little bit because we've kind of been running this um, as a second job for several years now. I think really it started at the beginning of 2020. We, we moved to a subscription uh, kind of based backend for, our, um, for a lot of the stuff on our site. And that kind of became a second job. I mean, honestly, we were just working so much with our day jobs and, our, um, and then maintaining the site that we kind of just had to make a decision this summer. Um, and so, or I guess this year it was like, this is just too much work. This is not going to be good long-term, but to answer your question, yeah, I, uh, Though what my my two pieces of advice is probably um, to talk to an accountant before you think that you need to, and number two is to maybe just talk to a lawyer. You know, those are probably the two things. Greg, and then did you do either that. of those things? I, you thought, did. I did. I did talk to a lawyer. It wasn't about. Well, I mean, it was kind of about. This, we can't so talk about this. We need out. to move on. We need to move on. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to ask some actual <laughs> hockey questions. There's one thing. Well, that's uh, off the record. We'll tell you off the air, Twins. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Now that I will not believe that part out. Now that we've gotten through all that, your model predicts the Metro to be very close, but it also loves the Devils. And Jack Hughes, who I notoriously hate, who continuously shits on my lawn as I hate him, uh, has <laughs> has seemingly had a very good start to the season. Why does your model love the Devils so much? I mean, it's, you know, after we posted those, I, I spent quite a well, bit of to time. To clarify, okay, yeah. yeah. So we have, yes, like you said, you kind of, not to, not to, fully say again what you said but the metro we have is the easily the tightest division so that's kind of a number one thing to remember is that what the devils come out right now currently we have them at almost 99 points well and this um, is we haven't updated this for with the new games we're still in the process of getting the the daily updating point yeah, projections anyway but- not to ramble we are we have basically the metro there are six teams in the middle actually basically every team except the blue jackets is always within like eight or nine points so you know, that's kind of a bit of a caveat here. But yes, our model does really like the Devils. And right after we posted that, we became uh, very good friends with a lot of Devils fans on Twitter. So, <laughs> you know, it's, 
it's uh, I know that we, it's a little bit of a, um, uh, it's very disrespectful for Rangers fans and for you guys who are longtime friends. So I apologize I for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing is that they, they, they had some really good um, off season moves. I, I think overall, obviously adding the best, maybe one of the best defensemen in the league and Dougie Hamilton has really uh, helped them a lot. That's kind of our number one thing. Is what yeah. But also Tatar was a big uh, um, addition. Um, I know, I just checked. He's like, I mean, per cap friendly, he's on their fourth line right now. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but I don't know what his time on ice is. But like, I mean, yeah, Tatar is a big ad. Even like Ryan Graves was a pretty decent ad um, on defense. So, and then, then just, like you said, Jack Hughes and a few of their younger, like Sharangovich, uh, who I always mess up his name, Sharangovich, um, and a few of their younger players are also like Jack Hughes is a good example of a player who is, I think he's still 20. Uh, and based on his recent trajectory, his last two seasons, he had a very good season last year, and he kind of fits the mold of very young, very good centers, or, or I guess for young forwards who are um, going to kind of he, – he's following a trend line that is, our models seem to kind of find with other players that are of his caliber. Um, so he definitely – you know, he's definitely kind of projected next year by our stuff to be – I think he's their third best player – um, behind Hamilton and Tatar, which I, the Tatar thing is a little bit interesting. I know there's a bit of a... He's always been kind of a yeah. favorite of the... Of but the not to, this is a Rangers podcast, so yes. I don't want to talk about the Devils too much. Yeah. But that's a quick overview of why our model likes the Devils compared to well, other... Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll dovetail out of that. And I'm hoping the answer here isn't the Devils because if it is, we're going to have to start uh, taking back some of that Dan Clark podcast money that we gave you guys before this started. <laughs> um <laughs> Who was in your early season predictions? What was the team where you had a different eye test opinion than what your model churned out? And again, I'm hoping the answer here isn't the Devils. Um, I mean, well, that would be one of them. I think the um, other ones, uh, I didn't quite um, realize how bad the Ducks were, I think. And then also um, how, like, I mean... When the when when our model predicted the Avalanche at like a hundred almost 120 points with a hundred percent playoff certainty, that was a very kind of startling. Like normally, you know, I mean, I guess that we had the Golden Knights at like 99.8, so it shouldn't have surprised me. Also, considering how strong of a team they are, but I mean, the Avalanche just continue to um, kind of be a just star. Just I mean in term in the league that just kind of continues to surprise me just how good the avalanche are and, and i always say the eye to the eye test i guess a little bit we don't uh i try not to um we you know we watch a lot of hockey but i think we kind of joke on twitter that we actually don't and we just you know look at the numbers all the time but as somebody last year so it, it seems like every year there's like one team that we um are a little bit higher on and then we become friends with the fan base and kind of have fun with that but last year that was our, our team was the canadians we had them very high uh in the north right that's the division yeah name, right? yeah to, um and now they're they've fallen a lot and that we have them as fifth they're kind of right on the bubble in in the uh in the atlantic um a lot of that is because the other four teams above them are all really really good but that was another team that i thought were i was kind of surprised were um our model didn't necessarily like as much and i you know we watched a decent amount of canadians games last year and obviously watched them in the playoffs um, and I, I guess I didn't quite put two and two together there that maybe they had taken a step back this year, or it also is the division they're in again now um, as well. So one of the teams I see a lot of models, including yours, I, I believe, like is is Seattle. Even though like when they drafted that team, I couldn't figure out what the hell they were doing. Uh, do you think? Do you think they like were like, all right, let's take every single analytical model out there, and we're just going to take what the players like there, and that's all we're going to do. 
no, I mean, it's funny. I think we also had a similar um, uh, kind of, I mean, I did at least, I think we kind of, we've talked about this, Josh and I, but um, we also felt similarly, but it's funny because I, like, the thing that seemed like happened to me was that each one of their like departments got picks. So like their stats and like analytics department got like a third of the picks and then their coaching staff and like, you know, that player development, whatever got a third of the picks. And then I don't know, maybe the prospect people got third of the pick or something like that, because some of them were like totally from what we can see from our, in the, at least in the public models that we have, um, a lot of the picks made a lot of sense, like Vince Dunn or uh, Everly or like McCann, Jared McCann. But some of them just were like way off the board. Like I think what was there were a cut like Columbus and then the L.A. Pick, yeah, I think was it McDermott? I think McDermott. And then, now, granted, the thing we for anyone who's not familiar we, on our site with our new, we've recently added some articles to our website and I did a big thing um, or we both Luke and I both did, but I kind of wrote it up, but we did kind of a fun little mock expansion draft thing where even before the protection lists were done, I, we tried to kind of see like, who would we pick based on what was going on? And that was kind of what we were comparing to. And based on that, they, the, the, the Kraken made, like Luke said, some very, very like spot on, like, yes, this is the right pick, but then they had some picks that were, I mean, like yeah. that were like seven, eight players down the board kind of for us. And so it is interesting. I think one of the things to keep in mind with the Kraken is that their goaltending is really solid. And I think there was a lot of pushback almost in a way on that kind of how they were dealing or what their moves were this off season that made, gave some people pause as well, not only their draft, but also like what, like, you know, what were they doing in terms of optimizing their, the next four or five years for the team? Yeah. And also I adding think, Grubauer right now yeah. is like that, you know, he's one of the better goaltenders in the league. And then they also, um, Drieger, yeah, like there's also very good, and so they they don't really have, I would say, anyone that's like obviously a star or anyone that's a clear like you know like a Panarin, right, or like a you know Kaprizov or somebody that's like that high class caliber player that is going to score a lot of goals. But they have a very solid team, and especially they're defensively, they they got and their their and their defensemen also are really yeah, solid. But it, so. it also just like it's like they didn't. It was weird. I thought that there were options where they could have picked players and flipped them for like future draft picks in certain ways where like maybe there there were a lot of very good defensemen available. And I thought that it could have been smart for them to kind of take as many good defensemen as they could. And then maybe they can't roster all of them. So they trade some of them to other teams. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It didn't really seem like they did anything of like that. Yeah. They didn't they didn't try to flip any of the players they took. They really they just kind of took their team and that was what they were going to do. Any point in time, we talked earlier about how you guys d- decided to declare war on the Ranger fan base by not including <laughs> Adam Fox. Did you guys take into consideration how much love and admiration you would have gotten from the Rangers if you just put Lieber Hayek on Seattle <laughs> in all of your pieces? <laughs> oh, well, it's funny. I'm trying to remember. I was just thinking about it because I remember I was talking to a few Rangers people were I don't know if I, I it was a whole that whole time it was it was it was very difficult for me to put together an expansion list before the protection list were together I don't really know why I tried to do it because then two weeks later they came out it was fun and we got a lot of uh you know engagement with that but um the Rangers were kind of an interesting team in terms of who their you know protected list protected player would be and remind me who they who they who did the um the crack and take for Colin the, uh, Blackwell yes yeah and there were a few other players I I honestly, there were there. It, what was funny is I, I kind of wrote this in the article too, and this is a slightly off topic, but I did think that there were several teams. I don't think the Rangers were one of them, but they might have been close. That it just didn't really make any sense for the Kraken to take any of the players. I think it was like the, Vancouver. Vancouver was a team that I was like, 
I mean, I think Seattle, they should maybe add a clause in the future that a team can, that, you know, an expansion team can opt to not draft a player and, and get, maybe get a pick or something. I mean, yeah. That, there's a lot of problems there, but it was kind of funny how that worked out. Like yeah, high, maybe, you know, uh, but yeah, hijack is, I mean, how do you say his name? I don't need, I'm no, sorry. No, we just call him the kayak. That's it. We call him the kayak, but I kind kayak. of like hijack. I don't want to discourage you from using that as his name. Hayek the kayak. He, he just paddles our, his way into our hearts every single week. That's, that's all we do here. That's a good. I, I that's a good, heard, that's like, a good bit. We haven't had Rangers fans in our mentions in a while about about Libor, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't Hayek. Know, Hayek. Yeah, but he's really bad. <laughs> yeah, well, he's the reason that you know we frayed our relationship with Vitaly Kraftsoft this week. So no big deal. It's like totally fine. Yeah, that, my next my next question for you guys was, uh, how do you go about apologizing to Russians? Because it seems like the Wild did a pretty decent job of that this offseason. and Chris Drury needs to take notes. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm, maybe I'm missing the reference here. Maybe. By Tyler Kraftstoff, uh, he was like, I'm not, they sent him down to the AHL and he was like, I'm not about that. I'm leaving. And they were like, what? Oh, we're, that's right. we're protecting Lieber Hayek. You don't understand. He's a valuable asset. You need to <laughs> oh, understand yeah. by Tyler Kraftstoff. And he's like, I was like a top 10 pick like three years ago. And I was a, a killer KHL player for a while. Don't don't remember that they sent me down to the lower league in the KHL, whatever. But I need to play in the main roster. They were like, no, we got to protect Libra Hayek. And then he was like, fuck it, I'm going back to Russia. So that, <laughs> that's where we are right now. Yeah. I uh, uh, I mean, it's funny because as Wild fans, the Wild have for years, I mean, they. I think it was specifically, I don't know if, they, I, don't, I don't really know this, but they, they rarely had Russian players on their team. Yeah, unlike a lot like of, they would just yeah. take like form, former University of Minnesota. Yeah, you know, the wild, they, they love their Minnesota born players, even if they're like six, seven round picks. But so like the Kaprizov and then who was their other, they've had a few since Sokolov, they, Sokolov and then another, was it potential? Latvia or no? Anyway, so the, um I, I, we are not uh, just given our history of watching the wild. I, um, kind of following the KHL and following the Russian leagues. And that's kind of all new, you know, with the Kaprizov thing, it was just like, Oh, I guess now I, I, you know, have a reason or, or now I'm uh, it would be good for me to pay attention to those because for yeah. years, the wild never really were going to take a Russian player ever. Um, and that's changed. Definitely. Right. But how do we apologize? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. You got, you got Kaprizov who was like, I'm just going to play in Russia. And you somehow got Bill Guerin to be like, no, no, please stay. <laughs> So and we was, need that advice. I would say that it seems like, at least in that specific scenario, that just throw a bunch of money at him. And yeah. that's Damn. your apology, right? Damn. Yeah. All right. Mm. Um, speaking of uh, <laughs> players I'd like back or, or, or from somewhere else, the Raiders traded Pavel Buchnevich. Can you explain to me and people out there that don't understand why that's so big? He's a top-line first winger. They pretty much got a second-round pick for him. And Sammy Blay, who, God bless Sammy Blay, I'm going to love watching him. The grif- grit and toughness he brings to this team. But Pavel Buchnevich, a first-line right winger, and now the Rangers uh, without Capococco for the next week, really have no right-wing depth whatsoever. Uh, I'm sure your model had them losing, like, I don't know, three points or four points, five points for that? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, Nevis- I think that might have been the worst move of the offseason. Yeah. Hell yeah, it brothers. Was- <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, glad, so glad we had you guys on. This is just yeah. going to be an uplifting <laughs> afternoon. Wonderful. I mean, uh, I mean, it's... Well, it's funny because the, the Blues historically haven't really... They've been known for not having, like, a statistics or analytics team. Um, but I guess that, I don't know, you guys, I don't really watch, I mean, I've watched Buchnevich a decent, like a uh, little our, bit. Our stuff to, to clarify, our stuff has always really liked Buchnevich and we yeah. currently have him as like the second best player on the blues this year. He, yeah, you're right. He probably cost the Rangers probably at least two, maybe three standing points by leaving. And I would say that that ad, got added to the blues. 
Um, now, obviously, this is all independent of anything else that happened with team uh, roster construction changes and whatnot. But um, yeah, I it didn't make any sense. It still doesn't make any sense. I actually would like to ask you about what the hell the Rangers were doing. Yeah, we can, what, we can there, talk about this because any... this is all we freaking do here. Um... <laughs> is there, is there, I guess my question was, is there anything that makes sense that supports it at all? The only it theory... Greg, uh, Ryan can go first. The no, only theory first. that makes sense, because we've we've debated this heavily, is they talked about this mystical cap space that they needed for moves they were going to make. And as you know, there is a player out there that everyone is trying to get currently. Uh, that have, that have, I wonder who that is. Yeah, the Rangers <laughs> have been involved with him for a is very that, long is there time. A billboard involved? What was that? Is there a billboard involved? Yeah, I there was remember. a billboard at one point, and whoever did that. Um, Silly boys. That's all I'll say. Definitely didn't break any terms of contract anywhere. So um, now that we've gotten that out of the way, they were definitely involved in that player for a very long time, and they won't admit it no matter what. Because they, if they knew if they extended Buchnevich for the next six, seven years of what he got in St. Louis, well, that's their team. They're locked up. That's it. They Maybe they trade Ryan Strom, but they've made these contracts like Artemi Panarin, obviously, great contract. Jacob Truba, less so great contract with the $8 million over eight years. So you're locked in, and now because of Benedict, eight years. So you're you're totally all the way in. You need that space to make you know flexible moves and maybe get that Jack Eichel type player or maybe somebody else. They're gonna maybe they'll spend all their money at the trade deadline this year. I don't know, but I I truly believe in my heart of hearts they were deep in on Eichel. They had talks, and then the owners of Buffalo were pretty much like one. We've seen the billboard, and two. We're never sending him to New York. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that seems to be the logical, or at least the thing that makes the most sense. I just remember when that trade happened, and obviously there, there's a lot of stuff going on. I don't quite remember all of the bad ones, but that's the one that just seems like. Also, it seems like the Rangers could maybe use him, right? Still, yeah. like he'd still be pretty good. They on the didn't Rangers. have to trade him. That was the part yeah, that made it so that, terrible. The it there's good. there's a scenario here. We don't need to relitigate it, but since you guys are so kind to us and love everything about the New York Rangers, <laughs> we'll explain it to you. Um, <laughs> The, the, the part that in hindsight really frustrates you is because you look at the New York Rangers, and I'm sure you guys have as well, and they're just sitting on this $8.5 million in cap space for this year. Now, whether Pavel Buchnevich would have been cool with doing a one-year deal considering he was a restricted free agent and the Rangers, maybe they didn't want to have to play the one-year deal with him in a vacuum, but even if you don't think Buchnevich is part of your long-term future after this season, you're telling everybody who's willing to listen that you want to be a playoff team and you intentionally made your team worse for this one year. So it's, it's very difficult to thread that needle, but again, we're all just, uh, we're all waiting for that other shoe to drop. And we're at a point now where nobody even knows if there is another shoe that could potentially drop. Yeah. Well, and it seems like they kind of just, they, they, they big brained it. They like tried to like, they they had some plan and then it just completely didn't work and now they're stuck without Puchnevich and they got Sammy Blaze who's like honestly markedly like, worse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we know. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're aware of this. The funny part is is that you know JD and Gorton got fired because Dolan supposedly didn't like this plan. Well, it was the same plan that JD and Gorton had, and then that plan fell apart, and here we are. Nothing yeah, to do. 
Yeah, safe yeah. face. I mean, well, but, so you they, know, Grant, they need to re-sign uh, Zivanejad after this year, right? No, no, they already they they already did it. eight years, eight point five million. He's here, and uh, it's uh, all front-loaded salary. It's like unbuyoutable. He's gonna be here forever, and uh, the no so no movement clause until seven days before the yeah. trade deadline of the last year. Blah. Yeah, it, no, I, I, it was, uh, it, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know the inner workings of the Rangers. We're obviously we're not as uh, tuned in as you guys are. Um, but the, uh, in a vacuum, that I to maybe put a bow on it. That Buchnevich thing was, I think, maybe the funniest well, thing yeah. that happened this well, offseason. Also, but not, say, not for right, you guys. Right now, we would have Buchnevich as a better player than Zavanajed. <laughs> it's close, but. Yeah. That's by our models. So yeah. yeah, sorry. I don't know if that's bad news. That's or... bad. News. Oh no, it's is bad it? news. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible news. I think people don't realize uh, how valuable Buchnevich was to not only Zibanejad's performance, but the playmaking he provided to boosting him up. Like Zibanejad's a great scorer, he's a great shooter, but he lacks in some other metrics. Um, his playmaking's okay, and it's gone down a couple uh, the last couple years. But Buchnevich was right there on his right wing a lot of the time, and to not have yeah. him around. Uh, especially when you didn't have to move him. And it could have been a first-round pick, and maybe the draft is so deep, blah, 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 blah. This pick is sort of like a first-rounder. Convince yourself, but no, it's a joke. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm going to move on. I'm going to ask about your models and sort of how the young kids model out. Uh, because players like Lafreniere and Kako have had notably terrible years. Their first year, Lafreniere wasn't on the first power play. His playmaking was okay. The underlying metrics were all right. Kako had a miserable first rookie year, then uh, became one of the better defensive uh, players, I guess, or forwards rather, in uh, in the league in his second, and then looking to take the leap this year. How does your does your model have like a uh, sort of a landing point where like this is the worst scenario and this is the best case scenario for these type of players, and then you put uh, them somewhere I, in the I think middle? it depends on. Uh, I would say that they're. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I cutting out there? No, that's it. You're good. Okay. Um, okay. I, I was. I, it, I would say that the way that we do it usually is that it's not like a. We don't. So I don't. I'm not going to get too technical here, but predictive or prediction interval or like uncertainty terms or like a something that we've um, we've recently done with our guard projections. So it's a little bit more nuanced than that, where it's kind of like you give a range, but because of the uncertainty in hockey overall and the randomness, and not to mention a lot of one of the big aspects of why that's so random is because of the missed time and injuries. It's very difficult to predict when a player is going to miss half a season or something like that, which adds an incredible amount of uncertainty into predicting for next year. Um, I, I think we generally just focus on what we, what's called kind of a point estimate. So it's like in the middle of the expected outcome. Um, so there's always kind of an upper and lower bound and how, how big that is kind of depends on generally what kind of history they have. I would say with Kako, um, it, we, there's definitely some uncertainty around him I, yeah, he has, I, because he has of been. his, so I won't get into this too much, but two, was it two seasons ago was Kako's first year? Miserable, right? like worst rookie season of all time. Yeah, we know. It's one of the yeah one of the funniest uh, rapping charts on our site is looking at that. And then last year, out of nowhere, comes in as like kind of like Selkie type player. Now I don't know if that actually translated to what he looked like on the ice. It did, but yeah. And so that kind of like with a simple projection model, you would say okay, two years ago really bad, last year really good. So somewhere in between, right? But that's a pretty wide range. And so what we kind of try to use is um, we, we, we build it out so that we include previous uh, players. Like I was talking about this with Jack Hughes, but um, we, we take age, we take position, we take kind of also contract status and, and draft, position. draft position, these things. And we try to let an algorithm that find comparable players that then can give an indication of where we think that player might be this year. Now offhand, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more technical than, and also kind of hard to find actual comparables and what the but model is finding. Anyway, for Kako, for instance, for our, from our GAR projections, which we released, um, 
I think he projects to be uh, like the sixth best forward um, on the, on the Rangers. Now this is uh, older. We haven't updated this with the new current lineups yet. So, but he also has like one of the highest uncertainty term. Well, not, but among like the, the major players on the, on the, on right. the Rangers, very uncertain player. He's got a much lower, lower bound and a, and a, and a higher upper bound. Yeah. Now, so Lafreniere, right. for instance, is a much less uncertain so much more certain yeah much but a lot of that is also because he only has it it's a we're rambling here i think we should just stop talking but <laughs> kako is an uncertain player and i feel like last year is maybe more like what he will be like or should be like because of his i think that what the scouts were saying now obviously that's not always the case but you sometimes lean on that when you maybe have not as much data like we yeah. do with him got it you guys i I've, if people know about you, they know about how you are the two people that probably love Valerie and his Chuskin more than his own parents. Um, <laughs> is there a player this year you guys are maybe not that bullish on, but comparing to, and this doesn't have to be Ranger related, just comparing to other models, is there a guy that is like a plant your flag guy this season that people should be more aware about? Yeah, so the one the one this year that was our our I think the guy that early projections were uh, Mangiapane in Calgary is our is our guy this year. Now we'll see what happens, but he we we really our um, projections for him next year uh, were really good defensively. Now for any of the people who don't know us that well, we're big Wild fans and we really lean in. We actually we kind of joke about this on Twitter, but we actually like this is what we like watching is defensive hockey. I love watching defense. Uh, it's not the most um, uh, you know, not the most entertaining or fun thing to say, but I also think it's kind of just grown up wild fan. That's what I got used to and what I enjoyed. So my favorite player all time, Miko Koivu. Um, anyway, I'm, 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 uh, <laughs> bigger asking, but, but I, I will, um, I will add. So Manji Apani for Josh, I will say for me is Vince Dunn. Yeah. Which, uh, I think he was underutilized potentially in St. Louis. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him in Seattle. Um, I'm kind of looking for it because he's just been like kind of, our models have loved Vince Dunn for several years now, and it seems like the Blues just have used him in a third third pairing role, which maybe that's why he performs so well. So it'll be interesting to see if they move him up into a, a higher leverage situation. Um, you know, maybe he, maybe he he just kind of keeps doing well, and that's I'm hoping for that because we've always liked yeah. Vince Dunn. But those are kind of our two uh, plant the flag players this yeah. year, and we'll see what happens in season. Well, all right. I have to ask. So Igor is uh, Igor Shosturkin is the goalie for the Rangers right now. Uh, what did your model say about the the kind of the goalie tandem? If you have stats on that, because Igor seems like he could take the step to be like a top two, top three goalie this year. Well, Georgiev looks like he might not be in the NHL in about three years at this time. Even though being an asset, he's a big asset, huge asset. I mean, everybody should want him. Yeah, um, I think the, so. First of all. We're not, we kind of also joke about this a little bit, but goalies are very difficult to evaluate, I think, especially when, um, you know, they, they don't have. And that's, that's eye test too, by the way. That's not just analytics. That's period. Yeah. Yes. And, and I would yeah. say even, even with more, you know, a lot of things that get brought up is that we don't have enough data. And I would say that's probably correct. Like we don't have proper goalie positioning. We don't maybe have glove angle, you know, I, I don't know, glove position and all these things. Right. Um, but I almost don't even really want to say anything about goalies. <laughs> that you, that's a totally fine answer. You don't have to say anything. I was really just trying to get you to say something mean about Georgiev. I work for Keith Kincaid, so I'm trying to get him called up. All right. Now, now that we got that figured out. 
Um, I was going to say, we do have Shesterkin rated higher than Yuryev, and it's a decent amount higher. Yeah, he's a really good goalie in our projections. Yeah. He would be that top 10th percentile, like 91st percentile, very strong goalie for the yeah. Rangers. So. Awesome. Um, is there is there a surprise defensively? Keandre Miller, as a rookie, had what would be considered, like, he played a lot of ice time. I think he averaged like 20 minutes, but he's been on and off exposed here and there towards the end of the last season, one of the first games of the of the first few games of the season this year. What is the weakness of the Rangers defense? If you can really find one, or I'm sure you can, what, what is it? Um, I mean, uh, you mean the blue line? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. About uh, that. Yeah. Um, Only the blue line. That was me being a bad host. Let me just take a <laughs> no, little, I mean, no. honestly, like they have a pretty solid defensive core. I think, I mean, you know, I think is, I don't even know a lot of these players. I'm just like, okay, who is this person? Niels Lundqvist and Patrick yeah. Nemeth. So yeah. the Nemethist. So the, the weakness is going to be definitely those two. Um, yes. And, but again, <laughs> our models love Adam Fox. Uh, and even, even Keandre, Keandre Miller uh, is Fred tracks out really well. Yeah. Really he's solid he's rated like the second best in our current like roster for the Rangers. Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a boring answer though, because like every every team's bottom pair is kind of like that's not where the they're best, not terrible. You know? No, I mean I actually think that the Rangers. Uh, honestly, I will say the the Rangers' bigger issue is their bottom six forwards, not their defensemen. Maybe that's the answer we'll yeah. give. It's like also <laughs> oh, like Ryan, like I don't know yeah, McKeg. You know, know, like was that in response to the the Capitals shenanigans last year? Or oh, you a- know it. Yeah, uh, but we didn't fight one time. Why? Why do we do this? Yeah, so we, stupid. We, we're like, hey, we're gonna yeah. get grit and tough, and then we're gonna we're gonna be able to beat you with our fists and on the ice. And then the game starts. Tom Wilson doesn't even get like heavy checked like one time. No fights. Ryan Reeves comes in. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Sorry, just, I'm infuriated. I, the The follow up question here is: uh, You guys said that the Rangers' weakness this season is probably going to be the bottom six. Well, what's your response when I tell you that that bottom six is intentional and by design? Well, I'm looking here at, you know, Sammy Blaze, uh, like, you know, and Ryan. When, so that was the other funny thing. It's like, so it's like, okay, you trade Bucinevich, so you're getting this other guy. It's like, we know who he is already, kind of. Yeah. So you know where he's going to be in the lineup, right? And then they get Reeves, and you're like, oh, because, I mean, like, Ryan Reeves really grades out poorly by our stuff. Yes. And I understand that teams, that there's a, um, that, that kind of the enforcer uh, role is still needed by, for some reason, from teams, and that's why they get it, and it makes sense, but... If that's what you're doing in your offseason to in a very the other thing is it's in a very competitive division. Yes. Like the Metro is such a competitive division that you know it's like it's like I don't know. It just feels like I don't know. Do they even I don't know. It I could ramble about this forever. Uh I don't feel like the moves they did with their forwards are really necessarily giving them a competitive advantage this season, but they also are kind of lucky that they have the, you know, the, the good forwards and defensemen that they do. Um, and, you know, pretty good goalie. And, yeah, I think, like, if they uh, say they keep Buchnevich and they don't add Reeves or McKegg, they're probably, I mean, that would enough right there in our projections would probably put them almost second in the division. Yeah, maybe Third first. In the division maybe in our first. Project, yeah, you know? this is what we were really worried about. So yeah, this is <laughs> this is what this was our whole summer. So let's just say theoretically they do obtain Jack Eichel, we're good. Like things are all right <laughs> when he comes back. Uh, if they uh, drop uh, McKegger Reeves yeah. and add Eichel, uh, or I mean, yeah, Gop- oh, is I would think that adding a player like Eichel to this team would probably add uh, would, in, would probably his, add about his Eichel's a really interesting player because 
that doesn't like it's just a really unique situation where a player of his caliber um miss basically has that type of injury and then has a significantly decreased output in performance and then projecting that is really kind of weird because it's like you don't really know like we can't build in like injury well we actually have tried to build yeah i tried to and i asked on twitter about like what a similar situation was where a player's like just and i was it i'm gonna mess was it lindros or there was a player who um sat out like a whole season for an injury or like kind of a holdout kind of thing and but there aren't my point is we don't have a lot of examples of players um who've done this who are at that caliber who also then play the next year and how we would be able to see maybe a pattern there or get any kind of read so Eichel is, is I think, as a big question mark on there. Also question mark. Now, we all know that Eichel is very good. And I guess that we, it seems like all the reports are that he's skating and that it's something that he's been able to kind of work through and kind of maintain his level of play. But also there's a lot of, like, you know, we don't really know. Like, we don't know what kind of impact his health is going to have over the next two or three years or even this year, I think. And then you also have a lot of this kind of the impact of this offseason stuff and just the, the way that the Sabres have handled him. Like, that, you know, that's a very specific situation. So, yes, Eichel would probably bring the Rangers up to maybe one of the best teams in the Metro, if not the best team. But it's hard to kind of know yeah. that. You but know, then all... that's a very uncertain yes. kind of yes. move. You know? yeah. well, let's, well, I guess we'll keep waiting. Greg, any final questions for the Twins? Uh, just like the meaning of life besides that. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, um, I guess it, it's fitting if we have you guys on to add, to finish this with a Minnesota Based question, and we understand your love for the Minnesota Wild. But my better question is, how is everybody feeling about the Jose Barrios trade? Oh man, uh, yeah, I didn't like that. I kind of like peace on baseball after the Twins just started. Like you know, we also had obviously the whole going full time, you know, and, and took up a lot of time and whatnot. But also, like I just, it was just a pain to watch the Twins. And Barrios was one of my, I mean, like I, I just one of the things that's fu- kind of funny, almost the opposite in baseball is I, I love watching young players like that get. That are you know because the, the the twins they they had Sano and Buxton uh, were like you know like I think it was like first or second picks like two years in a row yeah and then um you know it was just it's and then Barrios was like the guy who was coming up in their minor you know in the in their farm system that was like this guy is really good and could be kind of a top you know top starting pitcher in the league and it was just fun to watch him develop and kind of come up and then when they traded him he was like my favorite pitcher for the twins yeah. since like I don't know maybe like, like Santana. Santana probably and then he gets mm. traded and I'm like oh and the twins suck. It's like, I don't know what they're going to do next year. Buxton's hurt all year. He's like my favorite player, like on the Twins. So uh, not good. I guess you're throwing it back if we're talking yeah. some uh, shit about the Rangers. Yeah, yeah this, this, our, this, you know. this is essentially how I get back at you for – because anytime <laughs> you guys would tweet anything over the summer about something terribly going wrong with the Rangers after it did, I would just be like, all right, so the Mets are going to trade for Barrios. But then I didn't get what I wanted because they didn't, and now we all have to live in a world where this guy is not only not on either of our favorite teams – but every hockey writer who pretends to be a baseball fan in the summer is now going to gush about this guy for years. And it's just, it's going to kill us. It is. It is absolutely going to kill us. And I, well, yeah, he's so much fun to watch. He is. He's a really fun pitcher to watch. And it's, if anyone's watched him or maybe, you know, uh, people who are maybe hoping that their team traded for him, were watching him as he, you know, we watched him for, I watched him, uh, you know, basically I think he's been on the, he was on the twins for the last four or five years, I think. And um, yeah, just wicked stuff. But yes, uh, not, not the best, Thing. now hopefully you know the twins are better I'm to just, watch i'm just hoping you know. for buxton to stay healthy i know that's all i want that's i just want, I want byron buxton to play a full season and come yeah. fully live up to i want bush nevich back too so, so we, we can't have <laughs> yeah. some things we can't all have what we want about, i was about to say you guys are hoping for this buxton fully healthy season like because i have 
more terrible news. He will not be a twin on opening day. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gentlemen, why don't you plug your wonderful website where you can subscribe and also, uh, oh, your, well, more, your more importantly, gentlemen, tell us, tell us about it, your first four-way into hockey podcasting. Yeah, it's been a, well, I should ask you, well, maybe we'll get to this after. Do you have any advice for uh, oh, we'll you do know, it now. podcasters? But um, yeah, what, what's your, you just asked us a couple questions this whole time. What is your advice? Maybe something we are not thinking about right now for our current podcast that we should be thinking about. The number one thing, and it's the first thing Greg and I agreed upon, and it may be the last thing Greg and I have ever agreed upon, which is you have to do the show every single week on the same day, no matter what. Okay. No yeah, matter and what. That's- yeah, and we, we didn't really be, we weren't too good about it this offseason because I don't know, it's hard to talk like, yeah, about stuff. <laughs> it is like, <laughs> like I know you guys were, were preaching. How many, how many episodes have you guys done? Uh, this oh, will geez. be the uh, what is it, 308th oh. week in a row we've done this? Yeah, it's oh, the 308th Monday episode, but there have been OTs and emergency podcasts. We've been there, doing two episodes a week for about 109 weeks now. Yeah, I mean, we're we're probably we're probably closer to four twenty than we are nice. what our real number is. <laughs> I mean, it, it. I will say that it. Uh, I so Sean. Anyone if we have uh, our social media manager and like longtime kind of you know friend, uh, um, kind of previous hockey graphs or current hockey graphs alumni. Not alumni. We're all still there. Yeah, but um, he is. Uh, we do a podcast. It's just pretty boringly called the Evolving Hockey Podcast. Because you know, stick to the brand. Yeah. You know, get the colors right, and that's it. It's just Luke, me, and our uh, and our social media guy, and, and also hockey analyst Sean Ferris, um, who runs it. But we just started it, and I think it was August, and he's been trying to get us to do one for like a year, maybe longer. Yeah. And I just knew how much time it was going to be, like more than you think. A lot of people, I think, realize like, oh, yeah, you just sit around for, you know, you just talk for forty five minutes. That's fine. And I, I think our first three or four episodes, it took us like 45 minutes to figure out like technical issues before we actually started because it was Luke and I having to do it, um, you know, and record everything and make yep. sure Sean's recording. And I mean, you guys know this. We're preaching the choir, but uh, I think it's a little bit of um, now that we're in it, we just did our sixth episode. It's yeah. funny to say it's like compared to 400 from you or yeah, like a lot of it's, other it's people. Insane. But, um, so, yeah, if anyone's interested, we just talk. Uh, but we tried, we were, we told ourselves this off season because we had more times. We didn't have our day jobs. Like let's do this weekly. Yeah. And then not only was it very difficult to stick to that, but also it's like, I would try, I would, we were supposed to do one and I would be like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Like, what is the hell is going on right now? Greg and like, I have gotten to a point where we don't pre talk about anything and we, okay. we yeah. just go for it. We used yeah. to, I used to have notes like full rundown notes on everything I wanted to talk about. But we, I've found that over the past couple of years, it's it's just way better if we free flow it and go through the topics of the week. That's it. And it yeah. was funny because yeah. we did a similar thing where our first three episodes or something, we try to like have like a little outline and then Sean would introduce it and we'd kind of like do a little banter at the beginning. And then, you know, we'd have the whole thing planned out. But a lot of times when you, you guys know this is like we would, you know, we'd, sh- you know, we'd send out the video link or whatever we're doing. And then, uh, you know, it's like, oh, we get on, we hop on. It's like, oh, how you doing? You chat for half an hour and it turns into 45 minutes or whatever. And then you're like, oh shit, we got to do this podcast. And then you're like, well, <laughs> we just talked about everything. That's kind of interesting. Now we have to re-talk about it. You know, so we, we don't talk kind of before we start that. recording. Like we'll sit in silence. Yeah. We won't talk. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the two bits, the two bits of advice I would give you guys is, um, the thing I've learned most is it doesn't matter who your guests are. People tune in to hear you. So understand that and own your own brand. And then two, never do a podcast where you're comparing hockey players to Pokemon. People hate that apparently. (laughs) Yeah, that was not a popular episode for us, but you know, we really enjoyed it. (laughs) 
I had it might be my favorite episode we've ever done, and it's the only podcast where people are like, "If you ever do this shit again, I'm leaving and never coming back." Yeah, <laughs> like, like people threaten to unsubscribe to our Patreon for sure. <laughs> that's that's really oh, funny. That's okay, so well, funny. well, all of this advice is very good. I will. I'm I'm jotting it down as we speak. Um, but yeah, not to belabor this too much, but we. Uh, yeah, Luke and I, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Evolving Wild or our, our uh, website, uh, Twitter is at Evolving Hockey. Um, also, we run a website, like we've said, evolving-hockey.com. Um, it's only five bucks to subscribe a month or a little less if you do an annual subscription. And we have a whole bunch of stuff for um, in-season, live games, you know, a lot of player and team evaluation, contract projections, player projections, uh, fantasy projections. Fantasy projections. Yeah, your contract projections are, the, are some of the best in the biz. That's for sure. Yeah, thank well, you. Thank so, you. Um, so yeah, if, if you ever want to, um, you know, check it out, head over to the website. Um, yeah, and I think that's – and then we have a podcast, you know, I guess. But I don't yeah, – check it out. It we're feels, on, a, it feels yeah. a little uh, – yeah, we're on all the major – what do you call them, like platforms? Directories? I don't it, know. It, what, you you know, always just say wherever you find your podcast. It's so much yeah, easier. Yeah, that's it. We're going to have to transition to that because I haven't. We're gonna be like, well, you can find us wherever, you know. People know. Wherever you Trust me. Can. They know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, what we'll do. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We're also going to leave. Uh, I'm o- I'm Ryan Mead. I'm here with Greg Kaplan. The twins have joined us. You can follow me at on Twitter at Orion Mead. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week, and we love you guys. Bye. Yeah. Hey, and as always, I want to take this time at the end of the podcast to thank our very special NHL Insiders Offer Sheet Club exclusive members of our Patreon. Would not be here without this group. Love reporting on... This is the group I try and get all the secrets for. The secrets. Sometimes I get them. Sometimes I don't. But I do try. I do try. Anyway, here's the group that I'm thinking of. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Keech. Cheech? I messed it up again. Alex Gardner, Alexander, Amber Cohensberger, Austin Beetleman. That's a Austin Beetleman's in all caps, by the way. That's how they spelled their name. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Biggie's Malone, Brian Doyle, Broadway Boucher, Breeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Stellwagen, De- uh, Daniel Day, Day Zen with a J, David Naren and David uh, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Eric Stagg, George Britsky, Give Gardner a cup, Harrison Hasco. I saw Harrison at the meetup. Jake Berkowitz, Jerry Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty. Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Kyle Franklin, Lazar Krakowski, Lucas K, Matthew Kind, Max Nielsen, pal- another new member. Welcome aboard, pa- Pavel Kojarev, Randy Tesser. Saw Randy at the bar. He drove me back. Randy Ryan Sheeran, welcome Ryan. Stephen Lomayer, thank you. Stig Bull, Bach, Swingart, the Drop BK, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy O'Neill, the legendary Tory from Manhattan, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. I also saw at the meetup. Cannot thank you all enough. For the NHL Insider stuff, I'm thinking about doing uh, an NHL Insiders something event. I actually was thinking about doing uh, an announcement, like an opening night announcement um, through this. I don't know. I want to do something weird. You guys should reach out to me. Let me know what I can do. I want to do weird stuff. I want to make weird content for NHL Insiders. (laughs) All right. I'm tired. It's late, and we're still recording. Um, What a podcast. That's all I have to say. I hope you guys have a wonderful Tuesday. We'll be back later this week. I love you all. Goodbye.